you're about to hear a true story of someone who has taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host, and thank you for joining me. Roberto, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I am so excited to talk to you because I got to be a guest on your podcast a while ago, and I was just so taken by the things we were talking about and a little bit of your story that I was dying to hear the rest. So I'm excited that you are here with me today. So start out by telling me just a couple of things about yourself first. Um, well, Heidi, it's so good to see you. I had such a great time with you when we were last on, although it was quite an emotional time. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for guesting on, on my podcast. And it's an absolute honor to be on yours. I'm such a huge fan. Um, so a little bit about me. My name's Roberto Revilla. I'm from London, UK. I'm not sure how many British guests you've had so far. Um, and um, I grew up. I grew up in London, in our capital city. Uh, working class immigrant parents. And um, <clears throat> fast forward to today, I'm a bespoke tailor. I'm a menswear designer. I run around looking after busy people. Um, and create clothes for them and try to make them feel better about themselves. And I am also the host, as you alluded to, of a podcast, Tailoring Talk, where which is not so much about tailoring. It's actually about people and their stories, which is how you came to be a guest yes. on my show. That's right. I'm like, I don't know anything about tailoring clothing, so <laughs> don't get that confused. I just love how your podcast is about everything. Like you said, everyone's stories. So similar to mine. I love that. So Exactly. Yeah. Just trying to help people by getting people who are on the outside successful. But as you and I know, everybody has a roller coaster of a journey in life. Life is just not perfect at all. Um, yes. And, you know, mine also is a great example of that. That's right. So I've got to hear your lemon to lemonade story, at least one of them, or why you do what you do. So take me back. Exactly. So one of them is is probably a great way to put it, because I have a whole grocery stand of lemons sitting <laughs> behind me. So it's just trying to find which one um, to, uh, to, to kind of uh, get out today. of the bunch today. Yeah, yeah yes. exactly. That's it. But yeah. I mean, I, I guess, you know, going back to, um, uh, to, to my growing up. Um, so I grew up in South London um, in one of the, what we call rougher neighborhoods. Um, and my mum and dad uh, were the children of immigrants. My mum came over to the UK when she was quite young, actually. So when she was only three or four years old. Um, so, you know, you could say she's a Brit through and through because she didn't really have any memory of where she came from. Uh, she's from India originally. Um, and my grandfather had quite a successful business out there. He was in carpets and floor coverings. Um, and he brought that over and he also opened two restaurants as well. So he was quite a successful entrepreneur and liked to live the life. And, you know, he had an apartment in the center of London and, you know, seemed to be hanging out with all the gangsters of the day. Um, they were all customers of his because he was based in the East End of London my father's story was different. My father, he got to the UK when he was about, I would guess, in his late teens. Um, and he lost his mother when he was quite young. I think my paternal grandmother died when my father was only 
maybe nine or ten years old and I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a parent that young but it obviously had a big impact my grandfather basically left um, my dad and his two brothers and his sister behind in Pakistan and moved to the UK and started a new family so my father um, came over left the rest of his family behind to find his father and kind of got here and I, I guess he had to fend for himself and I'm hesitating a little bit here because my dad's not really been the sort of person to open up about his life story so whatever I've heard are snippets that my mum told me when I was growing up and even then I don't think he really opened up to her so you know kind of what we know is is kind of rumors and stuff and we've kind of just f tried to fill in the blanks um, but I can only assume that my grandfather was quite a hard disciplinarian. I know that my, my grandfather was in the army. And so when my dad was very young, he, he was an army brat. I'm going to use that term um, because he had to move around a lot. Um, but I can only assume that my grandfather was a disciplinarian because my dad, my dad has a big heart and, and he's a very loving guy and he's very selfless when it comes to helping people. But growing up, I think he had quite a tough time dealing with me. And I don't think it's because I was a particularly badly behaved child or anything. But from a very young age, discipline to him involved physical, um, what we now would call abuse. Um, back then, it was just discipline. Um, but, but, but it really um, made my childhood quite tough. So my upbringing was very restrictive um and punishment for for me sometimes of doing just the most stupid things that kids would normally do could involve getting beaten could involve getting beaten and locked up in my bedroom for days on end and you know woe betide me if anything happened during a school holiday or uh, you know, because our half terms are one to two weeks over here, our school holidays and our summer holidays. Summer holidays were the ones I dreaded the most because that would be six to eight weeks of absolute hell. Um, and, and so obviously that had quite a big effect on me. Um, my my mum, I remember as I got older and I got bigger and stronger and then as I got into my teens I started to push back um and growing up was very very fraught it was really difficult for me to form friendships and to hold on to them because I had all this stuff going on at home and my friends didn't understand it so um you know another thing that my parents would do to punish me is that I, you know, there'd be a party or, or something going on and I would ask permission to go and then I would be able to tell my friends I'm going to be coming as well and they get excited. And the day of, sometimes minutes before I was due to leave to go to something, something would magically happen or I would magically have done something that would mean that I'd be grounded. And then the grounding came with the physical abuse and then the you know, kind of being shut up in my room and not allowed to come out until I was told and all of that sort of thing. So as much as it was very easy for me to make friends at school, it was very hard to, to kind of hold relationships. Um, 
and then as I got older and you you know as a boy you get interested in girls and stuff and part of um uh, you know uh, those long hours and days spent on my own um shut up meant all I had for company was myself and my own inner thoughts and so on and this is where I can see some people uh end up being quite bad violent members of society and then you get some people who don't end up being bad, violent members of society because it's in those really dark moments that um, you're, you're kind of faced with a decision as to... And I was angry. I was constantly angry. I, I did all of the things that you might do to try and get out of that situation, running away from home. Um, so I think you and I touched on this on my podcast where I talked about how I almost killed myself jumping out of a second story window, basically, um, uh, to, to run away. I had one of my friends waiting to pick me up and, you know, uh, I didn't manage to escape for very long. Um, Self-harming. Um, I, I just didn't seem to be able to kill myself. Um, it just nothing I did ever worked. <laughs> um, so there was so then you start thinking there must be a reason why God's keeping me around. Right. And it's got to be maybe that everything I'm going through is a lesson that I'm being taught so that later on in life, when I manage to get clear of this, I can be a better person than my parents were with me. And so one of the big goals I had when I was a kid was always to be a parent. And I knew what kind of father I was going to be and how my children would have a completely different life to, to myself. And that that's where you know sometimes your best laid plans don't go according to planners at all and unfortunately my wife and I haven't managed to have children that ship's kind of sailed but then we do have kids because we have four animals that we've rescued <laughs> and they are our children um so I guess what I'm trying to say is that life kind of threw a whole bag of lemons at my head quite early on and the making lemonade part took a uh, a, a very very long time and I went through a lot of pain and a lot of struggle and there were so many times when I didn't know if I would ever make it um and you know eventually I did because I guess I held on to faith and I held on to hope um I don't know if it's fortuitous but in the spare room that I used to get shut up in as punishment um the only book there were two books in there one was um, one was Beauty and the Beast, um, and it was the adult kind of book version. I guess it was the original story. I don't know who wrote it, but it was quite a tough read for, a, at the time, a six, seven, eight-year-old, but I read it over and over again. Um, and then the other book was the, was the New Testament. So I had those two things to read over and over again. So, so I guess that kind of also informed my faith. I'm not, you know, officially Catholic, but I wouldn't say I'm particularly religious, but I am spiritual and I do believe in a greater force than us that's out there and that there's potentially a grand design because things on earth human life being able to exist and so on is too perfect for it to have been completely random right um you can't create 
you know, everyone talks about the big bang theory and I'm like, yeah, but what caused that? Because you can't create nothing out of nothing. There has to be something there, some kind of force that, you know, brought us all into being. I'm going off on like a real tangent here. I'm so sorry. There is a real point to this. So anyway, right. So, so let's get back to, um, you know, sort of me growing up and so on and relationships. That's where I wanted to go with this relationships. So, so, you know, you start getting into your teens and so on. And uh, when I started going to college, um, you know, girls were around for the first time because my secondary school, I, I, I think college you guys call high school. And I don't know what you call before that, but college for us is the thing you do just before you go to university. Mm. Uh, so when you're about between the ages of 16 to 18, so I'm 16 years old all of a sudden I'm kind of in an environment where there are girls as well having spent five years at an all-boys school and um I have a tiny bit more freedom because suddenly I have a car um and uh I also got a part-time job as well so I could earn some money to try and gain some extra independence and then obviously this was all feeding into my long-term plan which was to escape from home and um you know the you pluck up the courage to speak to a girl and you go through all that excitement and so on. But there was always the, I, I always knew it was never going to go anywhere. Even if I managed to get someone's number and get a date, a yes to a date, that date was never going to happen because I was always going to have my parents blocking me uh, in the way that they, they would do. And fast forward a few years later um, and I'm in my late twenties. And by this time I've had, um, I've had one serious relationship um, and it was with an am amazing, amazing girl who had a 12 year old daughter. So she got pregnant when she was really young. She was only about 18 at the time that she got pregnant and um, uh, her and I met and we hit it off and we got into um, just a, a super serious relationship. Like, you know, she was, the love of my life and all the rest of it and her daughter because the father had left when the daughter was quite young her daughter had real problems forming attachments to people like she was very like she couldn't talk to people she wouldn't talk to strangers she was very uh, sort of within herself but I was she was my biggest fan and I was hers and whenever we were together I mean you know this little kid was was becoming my world as well and I realized that there must be something about me that good this to all be happening and I sat down with my mum one evening and I, I told her um, about Olivia and um, when my mum found out that Olivia had a child they her and my dad started again like that was it it was you know you need to end this and blah 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 it was just all the control came back and so we had to split up because she quite rightly was like, I can't be in a relationship with you if your parents aren't going to be accepting of my situation. And I, I, I said to her, it doesn't matter, right? We can overcome that. You know, they don't matter. Don't think about them. We've just got to think about us. But it was important to her and I had to respect that. And that was the first time I really had my heart ripped in two. And I thought I'd never, ever come back from that. So you know, you kind of get on with life and, you know, you try to keep your heart open, even though it's, it's shredded. <laughs>
And then magically, I, I met Carolina, who I've been with for 16 years now, married for nearly 14 of those. Um, and her and I met in a bar. I mean, this was a situation where, you know, I'd kind of decided, right, I'm just going to forget about relationships and stuff for a while. I need to sort my home situation out first. And this relationship with my parents that is completely dysfunctional and it is ruining my life because I'm fast approaching my, my you know, 30. And, uh, and I, I just don't seem to have done anything normal in my life yet. Um, and, um, and her and I met, we, um, it was just one of those evenings where I just had enough. I, uh, I was on the way home and I said to uh, my best friend at the time who worked with me, I said, actually, do you know what? We're not going to go home this evening. Let's go get a drink. And so we went to a bar near our office that, that we were regulars at. And I saw Carolina through the window and I thought I was looking at an angel. And I turned around to Craig and I said, let's go here because I think I've just seen the girl I'm going to marry. And he was like, oh, like, oh, that's disgusting. Like, I mean, come on, really? And I was like, you know what? You think that I'm joking, but actually I just have this feeling I can't explain it. So we went in. Eventually we kind of got onto the same table as Carolina and her friends. And she wasn't having any of it. Like I was des I was trying to get her number and she just was not interested at all. And um, uh, by this time I was working in tailoring. Um, so I was a few years in. My territory was, was one part of the West End of central London where most of the kind of shops and restaurants and all the trendy places are. And one of the things I did to build my business is, is I went door knocking on almost every single door in a two mile radius. So I knew a lot of people at the front desk of all these companies. And through the course of that evening and talking to her friends, I knew what she did. Uh, I knew the type of company she worked for. I didn't know exactly the firm. So that kind of narrowed down the options. And so I just went through, I actually hit jackpot first time. I just went through all the, the front desk secretaries that I knew. And then I called this lady called Helen, who worked at a pharmaceuticals data company. <laughs> and I said, Helen, hey, um, you don't happen to know a Spanish girl, about five foot three, dark hair, very pretty, um, maybe a little bit of an attitude. I think she's a finance manager. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's." Carolina she's a finance manager she works on the sixth floor and I was like great could you get me her number <laughs> <laughs> and so I got in touch with her and she's like who the hell's this and I was like it's Bobby from the other night and she's like what the lawyer because she thought I was a lawyer because I was wearing a full three-piece suit with a pocket watch and everything I looked like a New York attorney um she didn't believe I was a tailor she didn't think those jobs actually existed she gave me a date and then she tried to cancel me um, by saying she was still in love with her ex or something like that. I just ignored it and just cracked on. And uh, yeah, long story short, um, we basically, we, we hit it off. Um, we got kind of quite intense quite quickly. And then I thought, do you know what? I need to, before this gets any further, I need to, um, I need to have this chat with my mum and dad right because I don't want what happened before to happen again and I did and um they were very supportive so I was like okay you know she was like look you know we can't 
control your life who you fall in love with you can't help it you know if this girl's you know you say she's the one and so on then you have our blessing i was like great so the next day it was a saturday this was a friday night so the next day is a saturday so carolina and i spent the whole day together and i got home i got through the front door and my mom came in at me sideways like Heidi, I do not know what hit me. I mean, she literally hit me. I got a palm to the side of the head and um, she absolutely ripped into me. Um, you know, I, I was a bad person. Um, you know, this girl that I was seeing, um, it had to be broken off and so on. Um, she wasn't the right color, the right religion, the right this, the right that. And I turned around and in that moment, I just thought, I think my whole life just kind of flooded back and all the pain and upset that I'd been through as a child and so on. In a, in a microsecond, it hit me. And I had a choice in that moment. And I looked at my mom and my heart was breaking because I still, you know, for all the faults, I love my mom and dad. Um, and I said, mom, no, I'm not giving this one up for you none of what you said is true i'm i'm not doing what you tell me to do she said okay well then you've got two choices and it was basically their way or the highway and i said okay fine so i'm going how long do i have do i have a week or so because at this time i was also looking for an apartment and i managed to save enough money to get a mortgage and to buy my own apartment and my intention was to get out of there anyway and uh she said you got 10 minutes i was like wow you know i've got two younger sisters and we've been really close we were really close growing up um so obviously they were in their rooms listening to all of this going on and i went to say goodbye to them and um and i just gathered up whatever i could you know, important documents and, you know, just a few clothes. And then I just left, I walked out and that was that. I didn't see my parents for the best part of probably 12, 13 years. Um, Caroline and I, we got engaged later that year. Uh, the engagement story is quite funny, but I'll save that for another time because I'm just conscious that I've been rambling on for so long. Uh, we were married <laughs> uh, about 18 months later. So I think it was, it was less than two years um from when we met to to walking down the aisle we got married in madrid it was an absolutely beautiful wedding it was a beautiful day um september the 26th 2008 i was wearing a tux that i'd made for myself that was a replica of daniel craig's outfit in casino royale so i felt very james bond <laughs> and uh, she looked absolutely stunning i was just looking at the the wedding pictures the other day actually she absolutely beautiful and you know i realized then that was my lemonade moment. You know, as, as we were saying our vows, um, I realized in that moment that, you know, the mountain of lemons that life had been just relentlessly throwing at me, you know, without giving me any time to breathe, to even think about turning any of those lemons into something good. Right. Suddenly it was in that moment. And it was worth the weight and the pain that I went through. 
and you know life didn't kind of work out the way we wanted in terms of family and so on but you know we've got we've got four little glasses of lemonade right here we've got two cats and we've got two dogs who are you know actually emily our cavachon is not a rescue she's a princess but the other three are, are rejects and rescues and um and we love them as you know the same we would if they were the same species as us and we put so much into them and they give us so much back and i just feel you know we don't have a conventional family but i feel very very blessed yeah. very blessed i love um, that you can see the blessings in your life that's truly a, a gift and a miracle would there be anything you would change about the past i think if i could go back in time and speak to my younger self i would tell my younger self to be stronger and to stand up for myself sooner because the older you get it's funny you know when you're a child um life seems to just go by so slowly you know and that's the other reason summer holidays were the worst for me not just because of what was going on at home but it's it just they seem to be dragging I loved school because school meant I was away from home and I was with my friends and I was learning and I was, I was, you know, I loved my teachers as well as one of those weirdos. Um, but um, it was just a great place for me and time would just drag on and on and on. But then as you start to get older, the sand, life is like an hourglass, right? It, the sand runs through faster as you get closer and closer towards the end. And for us as adults, it's just, it's like that. You click your fingers and weeks months go by years go by so i would tell my younger self to be stronger and to keep focused on the good things in life and that when bad things are happening life is just a series of waves they don't last forever and you're never alone there's always somebody else closer than you think that's going through either the same or maybe even worse than you are and you just have to kind of keep holding on knowing that the wave's going to pass and things will be better at some point it's great advice perfect advice for a younger self perfect advice for anyone listening to know that you can endure it yeah so you said that you didn't speak to your parents for like 12 or 13 years where are you at now with that relationship so it was about three years ago, my dad, um, so I, I had a voicemail from my mom and, and she hadn't obviously been in touch for, for that length of time. And I knew something had happened and I knew something had happened to my dad. She said that my dad had had a, a stroke and was in hospital. And um, we just dropped what we were doing and we went straight down there. We live on opposite sides of the capital. So it's quite a drive to get from one side of town to the other. But we just dropped what we were doing. And we went straight down. And uh, I remember just sort of praying to God in that moment, just begging him that not to let my dad go, that it wasn't, it couldn't be my dad's time. And that there were things that I needed to, I needed to reconcile with my dad. I didn't want him to go and, and not, I mean, obviously I didn't want him to go anyway, but um you know I didn't want the worst to happen and not to have you know and I knew that day would come that you know I, if I never reconciled my parents I would probably have some regrets afterwards but luckily he pulled through 
um it was really awkward in the hospital because my my baby sister was there I mean she's fully grown now but um and my mom and so it was kind of a bit awkward at first but then you know my dad had his recovery period and so I'd go and visit him frequently and then you know we gradually kind of healed the cracks between us or the divide between us so they are in my life now and they WhatsApp me almost every single day. Uh, I think they would rather that I called them back. But this is the problem, Heidi, is that although part of me is kind of grateful that they are back in my life and they're, they're, they're both well and all the rest of it. I went for 12, 13 years filling my life, having been through all that pain, got away from them. And then I created a life for myself. I got married. Um, I built a successful business. So yeah, so I've got the most amazing network of friends. So my life is suddenly full. My parents come back in. And the thing I'm still struggling with three years later is where to fit them in. And that sounds, I sound, when I say that, I feel so guilty and I feel like such a bad person. But, you know, Carolina says to me, you're not. It's just, it is what it is, right? That's just the way that life went for you. And you've got to reconcile that somehow, but it might take time. Um, and I hope that they understand that. Um, but yeah, that's the problem that I have right now, Heidi, is I don't know quite where to fit them in. And that's am okay. I still scarred by everything that happened in the past? Is it just a simple fact that they were out of my life for 13 years and that my, you know, my life was whole and full? It's something I'm trying to work on. And I, I don't know where that story is going to go, but yeah, but that's, that's where we're at with my mum and dad. We're in kind of regular contact, but I don't really proactively seek them out to speak to them and so on. Right. I think that's a safe space for you to keep them in that spot and that's okay. And you should be yeah. okay with that and have peace about that. You've, you've done way more than, than you've needed to. So you're just always be kind. That's kind of the number one rule, right? Be kind yeah. and let things be and don't force it. So just let them be at the distance and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing life's great. Life's really about balancing energy, yeah. I find, and different types yes. of energy, negative Absolutely. energy. You choose what happens when negative energy either comes your way or starts to manifest itself within yourself. Yep. Yeah. And I'm not perfect. I, I still have some anger issues, which stem from everything that happened to me as a, a kid. Uh, I probably need to go into therapy. Um, <laughs> Podcasting is good always therapy, a good though. thing. It's always a good thing. <laughs> always a plug for therapy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, there's positive energy. There's a positive yes. energy that you feel around you from your friends, your family, the people that I meet through podcasting, the people you meet through podcasting and your wonderful grandchildren, your children and so on. Uh, there's positive energy that you create within yourself because you choose to. Right. So life is all about balancing energy. And that's what I'm, I'm sort of just starting to really kind of realize yeah. um, the older I get, the more people, my, the more my network grows and so on. And I'm more choosy nowadays about who I choose to let into my life. And Absolutely. so, yeah, but I think what you said really helped actually a safe space. That's probably, you know, subconsciously what I'm, what I've been doing. Yeah. And that keep makes total them, sense. Yeah. Keep them at that arm's distance and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like be okay with that. Yeah. It's safe. And, and like you said, I love the energy and that vibration, you know, and if 
if it's comfortable there, then keep it there, you know, because as you bring them closer, it's going to bring in that negative energy and you don't need that. So it's okay. Not all of us yeah. can have a perfect relationship with our parents. Like that's, you know, that's life. And it sucks. It sucks that we have to say, yeah, I don't get along with my parents or yeah, I, I'm barely friendly with my parents, you know, but there are other people in our lives who bless us in a different way that kind of make up for when parents fall short a little bit. Yeah. And we got to look to that person and that relationship and be grateful for that. Yeah, and you have exactly. that. Yeah, you have that. Yeah. Thank you for opening up and sharing with me. I appreciate it. You, you've been through a lot, but I love the spirit about you and that you're willing to learn and open up your heart and mind to other people and get to know them and their stories and be able to share and uplift each other. And I just love that you do that. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, yeah, I just hope that, you know, I hope, first of all, that people don't get too depressed by my story, <laughs> what I've shared. Um, but I hope that people also just kind of learn that, you know, whatever you're going through, however trivial or serious it is, whatever, wherever you feel it is on the scale, um, just make sure that you always reach out, just always hold, just reach your hand out and try and grab onto someone. People want to help. I've, I find, you know, despite everything I've been through, my, my, my wife tells me that my, my, my best trait is also my biggest weakness. Mm -hmm. And that is that I will always, no matter what, who, what that person has done to me or us, I will always try to look in, look for the best in everybody. And she said that does really get you into trouble a lot as well. And, and my answer to that is I would much rather live that way than the opposite, than to see the negative in any of it. That's a really dark path that I would never ever want to go down. I would rather try and go through life with my heart full, seeing the best in everyone. And I really do believe that, that people are good and people want to help. So, you know, if you, you're listening to this and you're finding yourself in a really tight spot, dark spot, just reach out. People will want to help you. That's so well said from you after hearing what you've been through and what you've endured and how easy it would be for you to be a hater and negative and depressed. It would be excusable, you know, We'd go, yeah, he should be that way. He's been through a lot, you know? And so I think it would be easy. That would be the easy path, but you've risen above that. And you use your gifts and your talents to uplift others too, to that better place. And it's a beautiful thing. So thank you. I appreciate thank it. You. No, thank you. You're so inspiring. And, uh, you know, your, your podcast is a weekly source of help. And I've told you this before, but yeah, I just, I hope it keeps going forever and ever and ever. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so, so proud to have been such a small part of it. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Well, it's been my honor to hear your story and learn from you. And I loved our, our other time together on your podcast. So keep doing that as well. You've got to keep that going and keep inspiring people with stories and uplifting others too. So thank you for what you're offering the world. You're awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Awesome. You're still here. Well, then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. This is Bailey, yeah. Bailey. So he's the one who was not planned. Like we were just going on a vacation <laughs> and he was on the side of the highway. Carolina spotted him from the car and he was hopping around on three legs. So we went back to try and rescue him because he was like inches away from 
getting killed. Yeah, so we we pulled off and blocked the road oh, <laughs> and managed to get this little dog into the car to try and examine him. And the moment I got him in my lap, he just put his head on my lap and he just let out this huge sigh. And I just connected with him in that moment. And I knew he knew he was safe. Mm. And uh, yeah, three operations, a lot of money. He's a Cocker Spaniel. He's cocker a working spaniel. Cocker. Yeah. 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 And he's After okay. The... His legs are all okay. He's yeah, he runs around like crazy. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's if he could talk, he would have a real lemon to lemonade story <laughs> yeah, because he, he is the he's not only the happiest little dog, he's so loving and loyal. All of our friends, especially the ones that have had dogs, said, You've got to be careful with that dog that you're adopting. Uh, because he's been through so much abuse, so much physical abuse and trauma, um, that he could be really problematic. And my attitude with him was to give him just as much love as possible. So all four of them, you know, we cuddle them constantly and hug them and we tell them that we love them and we kiss them. And, you know, people think we're weird and, you know, you shouldn't treat animals like that because they need to know their place. But, you know, they're souls too and they have feelings and they have emotions. And to today and people ask they're like we we don't understand like when he goes to our friends houses that they, they marvel at him they're like he's such an amazing dog like how did you guys do it and I'm just like it's really simple just love yeah. just unconditional love and they respond I love what you said about your injured hurt abused dog because I just felt such a correlation between your story that you just shared and then this dog that you rescued and I just yeah. see such an amazing combination that you two would find each other. I think because my dream going up, growing up, in, you know, I would dream, I, I had this whole imaginary family. I was adopted by someone else. You know, I had brothers and sisters and I had a mom and dad that even though I wasn't theirs, flesh and blood, they still, they loved me like their other kids. So I had this whole imaginary family that I would just play out in my head. And, um, you know, if someone had found me when I was a kid, that's what I would have wanted them to do. I wanted them to just, just hug me, told me that they love me and that I was, you know, going to be okay. okay. Yeah. And I think that's what I do to these nutcases, basically. Absolutely. Yes, you do. <laughs> I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand. <laughs>